Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Tell Us What's in the Box. What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> I'm Danny, and this is my co-host. Would you introduce yourself? Joanna. Hi, everybody. I'm Joanna. All right. <laughs> Excellent. And this is our second episode, so we are moving right along. Today, we are going to be talking about Word Processor of the Gods, a short story by Stephen King that appeared in his 1985 collection, Skeleton Crew. So let's get started and talk about this. There are lots of relationships in this story. Um, we have two different families, the Hagstroms, um, Richard Hagstrom, the protagonist, his wife, Lena, their son, Seth. We have his brother, Roger, Belinda, his wife, and Jonathan, the nephew, and their neighbor, Mr. Nordhoff, are the characters that we have in this story. So what do you think, uh, Joanna? Let's talk a little bit about the relationships, like how they work mm. in this. So starting about with Richard and his family. Yeah, Richard is sort of, he just totally came across to me as he just hates everything about his life. Seems like he never has anything good to say about his wife, Lena, or his son, Seth. Um, he, there's a lot of moments throughout the story where he's kind of recalling memories from his childhood and stuff with his brother, Roger, um, how they actually both dated Belinda for a time, but of course she ended up marrying her, um, her uh, brother. Um, and then just kind of how it seems like John, his nephew, like he wishes that was actually his son over his real son, Seth. Um, so there seems to be a lot of kind of malcontempt from Richard's side right. <laughs> for his family. <laughs> And here's the thing that really bothered me was that we never get any indication that Richard did anything about any of this, that right. he wanted Belinda for his wife, but he didn't do anything. And he kind of says that, did, did, I, did I fight for her? Did I lose her? Cause I didn't fight for her. Maybe. And that's mm -hmm. kind of the briefest indication that we get that he was thinking that he should have done something, but he didn't like, and even in his life right now, the way it is with his wife and son that he has Lena and Seth, he could divorce his wife. Mm -hmm. He yeah. could, I mean, it's indicated that his wife doesn't work. He makes all the money. And if he wanted to, he could divorce and somehow make sure that she was taken care of. You know, he mm -hmm. has options that he didn't use. It seemed like he was using his time more to regret how his life turned out rather than using any tools that he had at his disposal to change his life at all. Yeah, absolutely. And all this is kind of like spurred on by uh, two kind of main events in the story. One is that he receives kind of a homemade slap together yet not really word processor, which is a gift from his nephew, John. And then also two weeks prior to the story starting, his brother, sister-in-law and nephew all died in an accident, right? So there's all kind of 
oh, and it's also his birthday. So <laughs> there's all these like kind of major events that are happening right now. And I think, yes, that's absolutely like triggering him to have all these sort of like regrets in his life. And to your point, Danny, about like, it's never really explored. Like, what is it about his family that he's has all this contempt for? He, he, he just does. And kind of for me, I, yeah, I, I don't see that either. The only thing I can speculate about that is he just, would have contempt no matter who he married or no matter if he had a daughter or adopted kids or mm-hmm. anything like that because his contempt just comes from the fact that like he didn't do anything about you know trying to win Belinda over from his brother and you know now they're all dead basically so mm-hmm. any shot that he could have maybe had in the future is completely gone you know so it's you know i think it's just Belinda was the end all be all for for him and he just has pined for her throughout basically the high school years um yeah (laughs) yeah it's really you know and we get a lot of really the the story isn't very long and we get a lot of shorthand for how bad these people are or his how he Mm -hmm. views his his wife and son which is not great shorthand (laughs) like we get a lot of well she's fat so she's not great yeah Um, his son plays guitar and doesn't want but you know he's a teenager and it really feels like he's blaming his son i mean kids don't grow up Mm -hmm. just being bad or lazy they no. don't just end up that way i don't believe that his son is the way he is if he's bitter or if he's not wanting to do anything or he's not ambitious or any of these things that richard views as bad yeah which may not be i feel like that's a product of his non-relationship or his con- contempt for his wife the mother his his son's mother yeah than anything else right i mean Absolutely. that's how it feels like to me Yeah. And then also kind of to jump off, off of that too, do you kind of feel like there are some pretty stark like parallels between Seth and Richard? Cause towards the beginning of the story, like King kind of monologues a bit and is like, um, well, Richard has always wanted to be a famous author and him and Linda have, have always said, you know, like, oh yeah, you only need to, you know, be, a teacher temporarily until you write the next great American novel. And then he goes in to say like, yeah, you know, and that led him to be teaching for what, 15 or more years. And he still doesn't make a whole lot from writing, maybe only five grand a year from that, which to which I'm like, Shh, I'll take that, you know? <laughs> but like, right. Right. But, but yeah. So I kind of feel like, you know, he had against his will and in order to support his family since his wife lena isn't going to do jack shit basically mm-hmm. <laughs> he took a job as a teacher and is trying to write stuff on the side which pulled a lot of his attention away from his family but i think he also looks at his son and sees that his son is going down a creative path and is trying to put all of his time and effort into doing that and i think maybe like subconsciously richard is just like why are you doing that you're just gonna end up like me this is what what your future is gonna be like you know without actually saying that you know granted 
the you know he doesn't actually say that in the story so we don't know if if that's the reason why he feels that way but just analytically like that seems to make sense since they're both creative people and his son is pursuing something very creative on his own yeah i mean there's also the the aspect of Lena chastises him. Lena, his wife, chastises him for writing and doing all that stuff. You know, hey, why don't you just write us a bestseller or something? You know, like do something. Whereas she obviously doesn't give their son the same guff for spending all his time with his guitar. Like, like there's yeah. a double standard there that he might resent a little bit too. Yeah. You know, Honey, which well, doesn't get- Yeah. Why don't you just go write your bestseller already? Gosh, it's been forever. And I just, I just got got to that part, and I'm like, why don't you do something, bitch? Like, I know, <laughs> right? Like, I okay, mean, hold on a second. Like, I don't like Richard by any means. I think he's kind of like a scumbag. But then he paints his wife out to be kind of a scumbag too. They're all scumbags. <laughs> like, yeah, except for I think the nephew who really yeah. uh <laughs> probably didn't deserve any of what he got. And I think King does do a good job of painting yeah. how John's life under his brother, his obviously abusive brother, yeah, um beats up Belinda. Belinda, yeah. You know, that's indicated and is a drunk and all this stuff. Yeah. I don't think I, that Jonathan yeah. has you know a lot to do with anything and he did really seem like a good kid yeah i think there's a lot of because of the way the story is set up and because of what we get it's almost like nobody else in that story has choices Mm -hmm. like everything comes down to what richard wants and what richard isn't feels entitled to and gets the ability to change through the word processor that he gets from his nephew. But when you think about it, everybody had choices. Belinda had a choice of who she was going to go with. Lena had choices too. We don't ever really get any indication as to how Lena and Richard ended up to begin with yeah, or why they even got married in the first place. We never get any indicator of why they were together in the first place. That could be for two reasons. It you know wasn't thought about, yeah, <laughs> or or paid attention to, or Richard himself has forgotten it, which could have been indicated at some point in the story. I yeah. think. So, yeah. I I think it's missing that. Like it definitely needs that. And of course, what this came out in 1985. So I mean, you can't really add and add more to it um but yeah that was one thing for me i really wanted like more at least more background with that more that understanding um and especially since like to go like back to your earlier point about basically all richard he doesn't have any good things to say about his wife other than that she weighs more than she should have and clearly that's like a main point for him Mm-hmm. Like he's he's hyper focused on her weight so much so that when he eventually, um, with the magical computer, which I suppose we should segue into in a bit anyways, but with that he essentially uses it to delete their son Seth out of their lives, and then 
no, she ends up like weighing twice as much and he's even more horrified, which leads him to go on to like delete his wife out of his life. And it just seems like these very like superficial reasons to hate on his family. Mm-hmm. basically so for me he wasn't like a very sympathetic character and then when he basically got what he wanted at the end and then there was like no moral to the story you know nothing like that i was like okay clearly this guy feels he's deserving of this but i completely disagree and he gets what he wants in the end and i'm pissed off now because i don't want him to have it because i don't think he deserves it so there was nothing for me in the story to like find him as a a sympathetic person not that main characters need to be sympathetic i mean look at pulp pulp fiction right they're horrible but we like him because me so um but this this richard guy he just comes across as like very self-centered you know what was me what, what was my life my life sucks hey i have this magical word processor i can use to fix it right it, like an entitlement yes like an entitlement to the feel like the life that he should have had without any effort to get it. Mm-hmm. Just, this is what I should have had. This is what I got. And I'm not doing anything to repair my relationships with the son and wife that I have or to change them in any way. I mean, if, if he can't get get together with his wife in a way, remember why they married in the first place, or even realize that the reason they got together in the first place was not love, but something else, whether convenience or, well, I don't want to be alone. You know, people get married for bad reasons sometimes, but Mm -hmm. realizing that and being able to acknowledge that and have that conversation and at least repair something so that they can marry co-parent, get divorced and Mm co-parent, you know, their son would have been something, you know, it would have been trying to make the best of what he had, or at least attempting to repair, but he didn't seem to see anything redeemable about his wife or his son. It's a lot of shorthand and a lot of caricature in the story. We're definitely supposed to see as, as Lena and Seth, his wife and son as, as bad, lazy, contemptuous, hateful of him. And his brother as abusive and awful, whereas Belinda, the 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 wife, is is a victim, and Jonathan, the son, are a mm-hmm. victim, and they should just all be together and make everything good again. Right? You know, there's no like like you said, no redeeming qualities about Lena or Seth, and that's kind of telling when you know he has this word processor that will essentially grant wishes for him, like a genie in a bottle um and he gets a limited amount before the word processor basically blows up um his his first thought isn't like oh i wish my wife was skinnier or i wish my son was into something else right his immediate thought is to delete them out of his life Mm -hmm. so it's not even the fact that he wishes that they were different, you know? It's that, oh, I just wished that they weren't even here. I wish I had this this life instead, you know? And that is so, like, I think kind of, what did you say in our notes? You you said, like, um, there's, a, there's a kind of a parallel of 
like that emerging word processing technology of the day, right? That mm-hmm. makes writing so much easier. And King also kind of addresses that in the story itself. Um, but it's also like, if you can so easily like enter something into a computer and then instantly erase it, you know, um, will future technology allow us to easily let people into our lives and easily erase them from our lives. That's an interesting metaphor for that, to think about that the idea of communication and through a word processor is so much easier now that we don't have to put so much effort that we can just, and it's kind of interesting reading it, uh, uh, you know, decades later, yeah, with how technology is now and how easy it is, is is it for us to communicate with people, but also just block them or ghost them or get rid of them easily, without trying to repair those relationships, is kind of an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, I mean, oh, we don't want somebody on our Facebook because you know they're disagreeing with us or causing issues oh hey uh unfriend done you know you don't have to communicate with somebody and try to work it out or anything like that you know and that's essentially what richard is doing he is taking the easy way out and that's very telling about his character too you know, yes, of course he's drawn to this word processor because it makes life easier for him. Oh, shit. It grants him wishes? Oh, well, let me just, like, wish my entire life was different because that's easier than trying to go back and fix it because eh, I don't really want to. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and he feels like he deserves to have that life and yeah. not the one that he has without really doing anything about it, which you can't you can't do in relationships, you know? No. I mean. I think we've all have, at least I know I have in the past, you know, relationships with people that I wish turned out different. And sometimes I wonder how in the future it would have turned out different. Mm-hmm. But if I had the ability, I don't think I would, I would do that and just go back and say, well, what if this had happened instead? Yeah. Because you make your choices And you have to live with those choices. And making a choice about relationships is not as easy as deleting something or shouldn't be as easy as just deleting somebody out of your life. And it doesn't really address that. An interesting thing to think Mm -hmm. about is we don't really get to see. We're just kind of expecting that, oh, his new son, John, is alive again and comes to check on him. And now he's married to Belinda and he has mm-hmm. John as a son. And it's kind of a happy, happily ever after. But yeah. what if what if it wasn't? Like, what if he goes in there and that isn't what he expected either? You yeah, know? that's Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted from the story. It ends too nicely, you know, for it kind of to have this whole – like ethical discussion around technology and how easy it is to delete people out of your life, you know, or just how like, I think, um, what did, what did I say? Oh, just, there's a, um, it's a commentary on how people could rewrite their lives if they chose to, 
you know, or taking the easy way out versus taking the hard way out. The hard way out would be, yes, let's sit down and talk about getting a divorce. Let's hash out all our problems. You know, the, the, the easy way is just to, you know, be like, peace out. I'm done. You know, like poof, you don't exist anymore. My problems are done. I don't have to deal with them now, but that doesn't make you grow as a person. Right. Like, it doesn't, you know, um, he, the word processor was something he saw like, oh, this is going to make my life easier. Um, I feel like I just went off on a tangent. I don't remember what I was trying no, to that's, say. That's fine. I, I, I agree yeah. with you in that it sort of does kind of take the easy way out in terms of, mm. you know, how everything ends up. And it would have been interesting to see if it was more like a, Gene, Jin kind of wish and that he got what he wanted, but it wasn't exactly what he was imagining yeah. or picturing, you know, because if you get into that, what if that Richard does with his family and his relationships, I think we as humans tend to, we'll make it better than it is because obviously if we're unhappy with our situation, whatever else is going to be mm -hmm. perfect and better and we're going to be happy and it's going to solve all our problems. But it's like that saying, no matter where you go, there you are. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if there's something in you <laughs> yeah. that's happy, you're, you're, it's still you. It's still there. You know, if all your relationships end up like crap, well, yeah. maybe the common denominator is there's something in yourself that you need yeah. to work on. Maybe the maybe common not. denominator I mean, is theoretical you. people can have a string <laughs> of bad relationships. It's yeah. true. But we also have to be willing to accept whatever responsibility there is to accept on our part, whether running away from our problem, not dealing with it face on, which is really what this is about. I mean, yeah. I get, you know, I think of the original intent, if I'm kind of time traveling back to 1985. Yeah. Um, I honestly think that this was King's way of dealing with technology that was coming out mm. at the time you know and he had a cool concept of what if there was a word processor this brand new thing that was just at the time coming out that could actually just change your life just by typing and deleting i think that's really what he was playing with so yeah. he played around with the concept of that and so the story was just kind of built around this cool concept that he had king yeah. is kind of an ideas guy <laughs> more than anything else, you know, yeah. he kind of gets these cool situations, cool ideas, and he does come up with good character stuff, which is a strength of his. But I think at this point, being so early in his career, it wasn't as developed. And this story was mostly a, a concept story of what if there was a word processor that could do it. But reading it decades later, the meaning I get out of it is that maybe running away from your problem is not the cool thing. I think we were supposed to, in the 1985 mode, feel for Richard and feel like, oh, he's the protagonist. He's been dealt mm -hmm. a bad hand, and now he gets a chance to change it and change his life. Yeah. But in this now person that I am today, I read it and I'm more like, you know – that is kind of an easy way out of your problem and not a guarantee yeah. that you won't have problems later. Yeah. I think also like that, that messaging is also kind of indicative of the era itself too. Right. 
you know, I'm just imagining. And of course I've seen like so many like computer commercials, right? It's just this whole thing of like, you know, oh, this thing makes things easier. It will change, change your life, you know? Um, and that's kind of how the story ends. But as you, as you were saying, when you look at it through a modern lens we're expecting that like but we know that's not true where's that twist on the end that shows that you know where is that moral to the story and you know for to go back to to go back to that for me that's what's missing you know if he if 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 king wanted to drive home that point of hey you know let's look at technology ethically and responsibly then i feel like the ending doesn't necessarily match with that message as the story like conveys it um so for me it seems <laughs> like a little it, it it feels like the story is unfinished even though it is finished but like you were saying we were looking at this through a modern lens and not necessarily a 1985 lens i know i wasn't even born yet at that point so you know i was six you obviously would have more of an idea than i would so. yeah but um i actually just tried to look and see if he had notes in the back about this particular story and mm -hmm. he does not oh. actually he talks about some notes about the other stories in the collection mm -hmm. but he actually does not have any for this particular mm -hmm. story Stephen King, if you're listening, can you give us some insight, please? <laughs> please, he, good sir. He remembers from however long ago. I know, right? Ago. Please, sir, I want some more. <laughs> yeah, he has been for a lot of them, but there are a few, and that's one of them that he does not have any notes for about where it came from or anything, which is really kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I guess he didn't really either didn't remember or didn't think it was worth commenting on for the notes of his of this particular story but it kind of is an interesting yeah. take on relationships and how how we deal with them one other aspect that we can talk about is you know you have this neighbor oh yeah nordoff the neighbor who kind of seems to know what's going on yeah, how the fuck does he know what's going on? Yeah, how does he kind of <laughs> sense what's going on? Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I think that might have been a, you know, plot device in the story. Yeah, um, you know, he needed of... someone that Richard could talk to or whatever, and kind of give him a little push to attempt other things or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think that that's more of a story device than anything. Or maybe Absolutely. from he was a neighbor of the other family. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe I guess the indicator is that he knew the family and knew the nephew. And so kind of got that impression from him living next door to them. Yeah, it, it almost seemed like. Though, like he just knew what the word processor did hmm. and i want to know like how did he know that because there was some heavy foreshadowing going on in that part uh, when richard was talking with um that neighbor <clears throat> uh it was almost like he was warning him to make good choices with right it. yeah like hey be careful 
you know, what you do really think about it, you know, uh, that, that sort of thing. So, I mean, that. You're only going to get so many. <laughs> that makes sense. And he was, he was a, a character in terms of relationship that Richard could kind of bounce off of and, you know, kind of knew both families and everything and was obviously the story vehicle by which the word processor came to the house because he was the neighbor of the other family. So yeah, it makes sense. It kind of makes yeah. sense. It, yeah, it definitely felt like he just needed to be there to have Richard just talk to somebody. But even though like he was, he mostly talked to himself the entire time as he, mm. as he was doing this and that w- would have worked out fine. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, just... How yeah. does he know? How does he know? I don't. How does he know? Because <laughs> story, I think. Because story. So, and one point to bring up about why Richard probably is not the best. They have that part in it where he talks about, or he's realizing he erased his son or deleted mm-hmm. his son. Goes into the house and he sees the initials that his son carved into the banister when he was 10 old enough to know better as he put it but lena wouldn't let him put his hands on him in other words richard wanted to like spank him or hit him or something for carving his initials into a banister and lena wouldn't let him and honestly my reaction to that was good for her yeah (laughs) yeah you know i think this is the bad bad past coming back mm-hmm. you know of 1985 and writing that that we we did that stuff like abuse and we use spanking and we use that sort of thing which created these messed up relationships yeah with our parents and with other people because mm-hmm. that was the norm because that's what was expected even though it, it was still abuse, it was still bad, it was still not a good way to discipline somebody. It's still not, it doesn't do anything other than kind of create fear and pain. It, I don't believe that it really stops the behavior other than out of fear and creates a lot more problems than it's solved. 100%. And I kind of can continue off of your point i would suspect that uh, this wasn't the first time that richard probably had this thought it's not the first time that lena probably had had to be like don't you dare do anything you know <laughs> like i don't know what she actually sounds like but right. you know it seemed you know those thoughts just don't automatically appear overnight they are cultivated over a period of time due to whatever circumstances you know um and just also like the way that he talks about his wife, like saying, oh, she was fat at 180 pounds, you know, but now that, you know, he deleted their son out of their Oh my out God, that lives. is how much she... Yeah, and I'm like, no, weight, that's fine. It? Yeah, and I'm like, you don't know how tall she is or whatever, but like, oh my God, his whole thing of like, oh... Well, now that her son isn't around anymore, she weighs like over 300. And I guess that's the result of not having anything to love, you know? And like, one, I'm like, that is such a harsh thing to say. But two, it also shows that he knows his wife doesn't love him. But where else is she going to go if she's not working or anything like that? You know, so she's she's stuck. They're all miserable. (laughs) Right, right. And... 
nobody does anything about it. And, you know, just to be clear, I, I, I love Stephen King. I have most of his stuff, but I think this is a clear example of a story that did not age particularly well, if right. I'm being honest, because it really kind of reflects that attitude that a lot of white men grow up with in terms of I'm entitled to this, that, and the other mm-hmm. thing. And just by virtue of being me, and being a nice guy, quote unquote. I'm a nice guy. I deserve this because I'm nice. No. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's felt like, you know, he was very, he, Richard felt like he was very deserving of Belinda and having John as their son because, oh, I'm a better man. I'm a better husband than my brother who beats his wife. And it's like, well, dude, I mean, it doesn't say in the story that, you beat your wife or anything, but like you wanted to beat your son because I guess he isn't perfect enough for you. And there's almost this air of like, well, if I had these people in my life instead, then I would be a better person. And usually I'm like, no, that's not necessarily how that works. (laughs) Like you got to confront your own demons instead of running away from them. Right. It it does come back to that kind of that entitlement that a lot of men of you know a lot of white men have mm-hmm. period you know we may we may I may get flat for saying that but I think that's the truth and this is kind of a perfect example of how it permeates because no one not even I remember reading this for the first time this is a re, uh, a reread for me mm-hmm. and I read it when I was a kid And this stuff didn't occur to me till now. So even women are kind of inert into this. Well, that's the way it's supposed to be. That's he deserves that because he feels like he's a nice guy and he deserves this stuff. But you know, what kind of guy would hit his kid or not try to do everything he could to, to, repair his relationship we don't get any indication mm-hmm. that he tried to do anything or There's, talk to yeah. them or try to have a relationship Absolutely. i mean the only thing he really does is tell his kid to come up and help and then be disappointed when he his kid doesn't want to do so yeah i mean do we get any indicator at all that he tries to like be interested in what his kid's interested in obviously he's interested in music and has this band that he is into and it doesn't we don't get any indicator because of how the story length or or what we're being told that richard did anything yeah to be interested in that or interested in anything that his wife wanted to do or whatever yeah totally agree with that there's nothing contextually in the story that paints richard as a good person who would be deserving of a different life there is 100% nothing. So in the end, when he gets everything he wants, it's infuriating. Like, no, no, no. There's, there, where's the moral? You know, where's the whole like, okay, maybe you go downstairs to say hi to your wife, Belinda, but maybe she had a stroke at some point and now is permanently paralyzed on one side of her body. You know, I have a feeling if that was the case based on how Richard is described in the story, 
he would be like, oh, I didn't ask for this. You know, like, Mm -hmm. are you still going to love Belinda if she was disabled, you know, or even John for that matter? Would you still love John if he was your son, but he wasn't some sort of like tech genius? What if, you know, John was just like Seth? Yeah. You, yeah. you you love the idea of them and not so much who they are as a person. You have, you have yeah. these ideas about people that you get in your head. And I think just talking about relationships and probably a good note to end on is talking about the things that I took from this story in terms of relationships and how we deal with relationships is that you can't just magically change everything with people with the people in your life. You can't, you can't delete stuff out of your Mm -hmm. life and just have it be better quote unquote. Yeah. That's, that that's a, a, a awful way out. It doesn't require anything from you and any good relationship requires sacrifice. It requires effort. It requires you to be vulnerable and open up and be interested in the other person. And we don't get any of that. So what I really got out of the story was that this guy is being entitled. He's taking the easy way out and everybody's suffering for it. Everybody in the story is suffering. Everybody in the story. Right. And to like hop on that note too, um, as you know, the word processor itself, there's only, there's a finite amount of times that he can go in there and like basically type in his wish, right, and make it come true or delete it or reinsert it back into his life because eventually the whole thing blows up, (laughs) you know, and he can't do anything. So it it becomes this kind of like time-based plot device where he has to put in there what means the most to him. And of course, what means the most to him is getting rid of his current life as, you know, we hammered down that point so many times throughout, throughout this, uh, pod podcast. Um, but yeah. Mm. And on that yeah. note, like, uh, use good thermal paste when you <laughs> are putting together like <laughs> a computer because you don't want it to overheat and scream at you. And I was just like, no, you need a good air cooling solution. Get some better thermal paste. But I'm like, okay, well, this is 85. So <laughs> yeah, it is 85 yeah. and it was built by like a 14 year old kid, 15 year old. So yeah, I suppose you can give him a little slack for that. Yeah, I know. But, I, re- real moral of the story, use good thermal paste. <laughs> use on your, good thermal paste. In your PC. On your yes. computer. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know as if in the end, rereading the story, because it had been a good couple decades since yeah. I had read it. And reading it over, I, I got a different message, which just goes mm-hmm. to you know, your age and your experiences and everything, you know, go to what you get out of stuff. And I think maybe first when I read it, I thought, oh, what a cool thing. You know, he, he was able to change his life, but now being able to kind of nuance my thoughts a little bit more, it really comes down to where should, should he have been? Yeah. And looking it through the lens of the person who wrote the story and their own perspective on the world and creating very much a character that was like them, a writer, probably Mm -hmm. around the same age, 
at the time really reflects upon what our society was like then in terms of what a certain class of people white men wanted and what they felt entitled to and how willing they are to work for it and and mm -hmm. uh, to be clear i'm not blaming stephen king for that that that's a that's a societal problem right that's a thing that you grow up with that's a thing you grow up with learning and you don't know any better yeah you don't know any better so it's not his fault that's a societal thing and mm -hmm. i think that gets misinterpreted a lot that's what he grew up with that's that's this problem with society that this is what we teach boys and men mm -hmm. absolutely feel you, yeah you need to have a skinny beautiful wife and you need to have a son who is extremely smart and is going to go on to have a good career yeah yep that's like i i even still see that as like something in my generation that's still kind of like hammered in it's still prevalent yeah it, it, it's still an attitude that's prevalent here that you know if you're born a certain way you're entitled to certain things mm -hmm. and you're not brought up to feel or think any differently yeah so it's not so much that you think it and then dismiss it as something that's not a possibility the thought doesn't cross your mind yeah. the thought doesn't even cross as richard's mind do i have a right to do that do i have consent from these people to do that do i have any any right to any of these things that i feel like i'm entitled to he mm -hmm. just took them yeah i mean he yeah. does briefly think about like wait am i really going to delete my son and then it was like yeah i'm gonna delete my son yeah you know, I'm, not, was, I'm not killing him yeah I, i'm deleting him i'm, I'm so deleting okay. him i'm erasing his existence it's fine and then as soon as he sees that his wife weighs twice as much as the other timeline he's like oh well i'm gonna delete her too you know yeah. like it just becomes easier you know there was no consequences for him other than his wife gaining more weight to which she was like oh well i can fix that with the computer i better hurry up before it blows up and i'm stuck with no son and an obese wife that is essentially what i hear as richard's thought yeah <laughs> it's true it's oh true. my god like, but anyway you. that was <laughs> i mean that was a lot it's a short yeah. story but there's a lot in there i think to talk about in terms of when it was written and how we feel about it now versus what it was probably meant to be absolutely in the first place when it was written so i feel like it's time joanna why don't you uh lead us on out of here lead us on out okay my leading out with i don't remember wait <laughs> let me go back to my word processor <laughs> oh god all right well everyone thank you so much for joining us uh for our second episode and um, we will be back again um in what what two date weeks. is that Danny? two weeks in two weeks so uh it's gonna be on may 12th and we will be talking about the movie Sybil, you know, since it's going to be Mother's Day. So why not talk about an iconic mommy yeah. character from one of the most iconic films of all time? So yeah. that is what we will be uh, discussing. But yeah, if you want to give us a follow on Twitter, uh, right now we are 
at the box underscore podcast. Um, tell us um, if saying a lot of ums now because I'm trying to, you know, like add ad lib this. <laughs> <laughs> tell us uh, what you thought of the episode. Tell us your thoughts on the story. Um, you can find a Kindle version of the what's what's the name of the short story collection again, Danny? Skeleton Crew. Skeleton Crew, uh, you can find this short story word processor, word, uh, word processor of the gods. I can talk today uh, in that story. Also has a lot of really great collection. stories in it too. A lot of classic early King in here too that has since been adapted. So yes. Yeah. So as Jenny said, lots and lots of good stuff on that. But yeah, come talk to us on Twitter. Tell us your thoughts on that. Um, do you agree? Do you disagree? Doesn't matter. We want to hear what you are thinking about. We want to hear what's, what's, what is in your box. With what is in what, your what do you box? See? Yes. What do you see in the box? <laughs> what's in the box? What's in your box? Yeah. Hashtag what's in the box question mark, you know? Yeah. And do that. Well, thank you, and we will see y'all again next time. Have a great couple weeks. <laughs>